Lord, thank you so much for a great service so far. And I just pray as we look into your word, God, that our hearts will be open. God will hear you tonight. And Lord, on this beautiful service, during this beautiful service, God, that, that our lives can be changed, that we can be different for what we experience in the next few minutes. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good, good evening. I'm going to fix that. Good morning. Good something. Good evening. Well, it's great to see you and those who are watching or listening online. Thank you so much for joining us, too. Give Larkin another hand for a beautiful job. And Justin and his team did a great job, as they always did. Well, we have a tradition here at first. We, we start out with jokes during the Christmas season. What is the best Christmas present in the world? Mercedes, yeah, yeah. A broken drum. You just can't beat it. Be careful, my secretaries find these jokes for me, so if you're, you're offending them. Why did Frosty the Snowman want a divorce? Brandon and I have been working with him. Zoom, of course, he can't come down here. His life expectancy would be over. We don't feel like he has a biblical reason for divorce, but he said, my wife is a total flake. <laughs> Let that sink in for you deep thinkers. We are, we are concluding a sermon series we've been in in December titled No Matter What, No Matter What. And we're going to look tonight at no matter what, we have to respond to Jesus. And I'll explain that more in just a moment. If you did have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 2. If you don't, we'll have the scriptures on the screen. And, and I just want to begin with kind of an obvious thing, I hope. Jesus has been born. Did you know that? He has been born. I, I read this week a guy said, you know, before Christmas became a major shopping holiday, they say it used to have a religious meaning. Ooh, did you hear that? That's pretty tough, pretty true, isn't it? Well, in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, there was a Bethlehem in Galilee. There was up north, there's one in Judea down south near Jerusalem. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who's been born king of the Jews we saw his star when it arose and we have come to worship him now the wise men are interesting characters they're called magi in some translations and we don't really know a lot about them they were they were astronomers almost certainly scholars some people say they may have been priests we we have to clearly deduct that they were godly people, men seeking God and hearing from God. Where were they from? We, we don't know that either. It says from the, the, the east, the, the, and the east literally means the land of the rising sun. Whether it was Arabia, whether it was Asia, we don't know. And we don't know how many there is. How many do we always say there is? We say there's three. We, we caught a picture of the wise men this week. We really did. That's the wrong picture. That's the Three Stooges. That is not, that is not, and by the way, I love the Three Stooges. You know, it, the wise men, the history of it is, is interesting. We, we sing, uh, We Three Kings of Orient Are. You familiar with that song? I did a wedding last Saturday, and it was me and the groom and the best man were the only part of the man part of the party, and we came down, and they were playing We Three Kings of Orient Are, and I was like, 
dude, we are kings from Orient, wherever R is, we are. And we don't know. In Cologne, Germany, this is kind of interesting, in a casket in a monastery, they have three skulls that they say are the skulls of the wise men. How in the world did they know that? I mean, they look in the tooth and they saw it, you know, said wise man, they had it tattooed or something. I have no, we, we, we really don't know how many they, there were. I think there was more than three. I think there was probably a multiple group because they, they they made a lot of noise when they came in, got the, uh, the attention of the whole city. And so I, that, that is my guess there on that. Now, we get the three because they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we'll look at that more in a moment. But let's talk about this real quick. Who is this Jesus? We're celebrating Jesus's birth, and we're, we're here because we believe our I hope we can convince you tonight Jesus was truly born. But who is he? I want to look in verse 2 again. It says, where is he who's been born? He didn't become who was born king of the Jews. Now, that that doesn't give us enough information, I don't think. I want to turn over to Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. This one verse is loaded for bear. You want to see a verse that tells us a lot about Jesus. This is it. In verse 11, It says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Danny, leave that on the the screen if you would. In the city of David, the Jewish people had been told that the Messiah, the Christ, the Deliverer is going to be born in the city of David. He's going to be a descendant of King David. The city of David is Bethlehem in Judea. So that's an important part of it. He says a savior. Now, what's interesting is the, the king, the Caesar of the Roman Empire, he kind of made himself out to be several things. One thing he said is he was the savior. He was the deliverer of the people. And that's what it means. It means a savior. And the Jewish people were desperately, like many of us today, looking for someone to save us from oppression. They were oppressed by the Roman Empire. Taxes were heavy. Life was hard. And they wanted someone to come in and save them from the misery of their life today. But God said, I'm going to send a savior that's going to do so much more for you than that he's going to save you from your sin he's going to save you from a a wasted life he's going to save you from hell and give you a home in heaven I'm sending a a deliverer a savior who is born and then it says who is Christ the word Christ is a, a Greek word the New Testament was originally written in Greek no testament in Hebrew and the Hebrew word was Messiah the the Greek word is Christ it means the promised one and the anointed one the Jewish people were looking for the the anointed one the promised one of God and and the and they have just heard from the angels here in this verse that the Messiah the promised the anointed one of God has been born and it says he is Lord now this can slip by you Lord means master and it means owner it, it means the the big kahuna it's the big guy when you say the lord but to go back 2,000 years ago I remember I said the the new testament was originally written in greek and the old testament was written in hebrew in jesus day the world spoke latin and greek that was the primary languages and they had translated the hebrew old testament into greek and they called it the septuagint That's probably what Jesus spent a lot of time reading. And in the Hebrew Old Testament, when it would refer to God the Father, a lot of times it would refer to him in this word, Lord, kuros is Lord. And now these people are reading or hearing this prophecy that the Lord, that God has just been born 
in the flesh in Bethlehem. Wow. When we talk about this Jesus, it's not just a cute little baby that was born. We're talking about God in the flesh. And in verse 3, these people didn't understand near what we just heard. But look what it says. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Listen, they didn't understand the theology that we understand here. But here's what they understood. Something has happened. Somebody has been born that's shaken things up. People have traveled a 1,000 miles to get here to see this baby, and it disturbed them. And it was going to force them, just like it forces you and me, to make a decision. Now, I know what some people say. You're not going to make me make a decision. I understand. No, I'm not. But do you you know, when when it comes to a lot of things in life, and when it comes to Jesus, you're going to make a decision. Let's say this. If you're single, and you ask somebody out on a date, They can say no. That's a response, isn't it? I never heard that, but I've heard guys tell me about that. (laughs) They can say yes. That's exactly what you're you're fishing for, right? Here's the worst thing they can say. I'll get back to you. Folks, that's called a delayed no, but that's a response, isn't it? But see, especially today, you you could ask somebody on a date, you could text them or call them, and they never respond. But listen, never responding is a response, amen? That means they do not want to go out with you. Leave them alone. And I want to tell you with Jesus tonight, it's not just as cookie cutter as saying, well, I'm going to say yes or no. All of us, all of us are going to respond to Jesus tonight, one way or another. Let me give you, let me give you this. How will we respond? Let's look at three ways we're going to, how we'll respond. The first way, very possible tonight, that was certainly happening 2,000 years ago, is just apathy, just apathetic. Several years ago, an English teacher teaching juniors in high school, this was not the advanced group or the pre-college group. This was the group I was in. She wrote apathy on the board, and she said, what does this mean? And a boy on the front row said, who cares? And she said, exactly, that's what apathy means, who cares? Well, in verse 4 through 6, listen to this in this story. King Herod assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, they're quoting Micah chapter 5, verse 2 from the Old Testament. 700 years early, this prophecy had been given. In Bethlehem of Judea, for as the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now the chief priest, there's only one chief priest, but they use a plural there because the chief priest, the, 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 the former ones would have been brought in. Like when you hear today, you could hear President Biden, but then they may say President Obama or President Trump. That's an honorary way they refer to former presidents, and they refer to the former chief priest as that. But they probably brought in the 70 ruling body, the high court of Judaism called the Sanhedrin. And they would have brought them in, and they said, where is this king been born? Where's this king Jesus been born, the king of the Jews been born? And they knew right off the bat. They spit it out. These guys are the Navy SEALs of religion. They were. The Green Beret. Many of them had memorized the first five books of the Bible. You don't think that's hard? Go home tonight and start on Leviticus and call me in a week. 
we'll be getting you some Prozac and some Xanax. These guys knew the Bible, but listen, we have zero indication, and I think we would have known, that any of them took a five to six mile trip southwest from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They knew where the Messiah was going to be born, Justin. They had been to Bethlehem a hundred times. But they did not move that brief little way to go see the King of Kings. You know what that's called? That's apathy. And, and, and I'm speaking as a Christian leader, someone who's been in church leadership. Sometimes religious people are the worst. Hey, we know the answers, don't we? We can spit it out. We can argue and win the argument religiously. But when it comes to responding to Christ as we should, we're, just, we're beyond that, aren't we? We're apathetic. Hey, we're busy, aren't we? I mean, hey, we need to respond to Jesus. If he's who the Bible says he really is, you better and I better respond properly to him. And we're going to someday, but we just don't have the time, the energy, or the effort right now. Oh, friend, listen, I'll plead with you. Don't let your response tonight be apathetic. Don't look at Jesus and say, well, maybe someday. I've, I've been there, done that. I know the routine. Don't be apathetic. Here's another response, and that's insincerity. That's being insincere. I, I think we know what that means, but in, in verse 7 and 8, listen to this. Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, hey, go search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so I too may come to worship him. Doesn't that sound like a godly king? He wants to go worship Jesus. Man, that is so awesome. Herod is called Herod the Great. He'd ruled Palestine under Caesar for many years, and he had done some religiously good things. He helped him rebuild the temple, get the temple up. He had done a lot of things with architects and good things. He was also called Herod the Evil. He'd been married nine times, murdered at least one of his wives, Married his mother-in-law, and guys, that is illegal in most countries. Murdered his mother-in-law, did you get that? Wow. He had three sons. When they got of age and a threat to his throne, he killed them. This is a bad dude. But the wise men who were truly wise men were not convinced that he was insincere. In fact, God had to give them a special message so they would not let Herod come back to Bethlehem. Look in verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country. You see, Herod was insincere. He was faking it. What the rest of this chapter goes on to tell us is that he goes down there later and he kills every baby there, two, every male baby, two years and younger because he didn't want to worship the king. He wanted to destroy him. I was talking to a friend in another state this week. I've known her a long time, and, and, and we were talking about their former spouse, who I was friends with and knew well, and how that person was doing. And they said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if they really sincerely ever followed Jesus. They started dating as adults, and and. She told him, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, and you're going to be with me. You're going to have to be. So he got baptized. He joined the church. He said amen. He did the right things, and they had an ugly divorce several years later. 
And for several decades now, he's wandered from God. He's not been a very nice person. And, and she wasn't being judgmental. She just said to me out of concern, I wonder if he was sincere when he followed Christ. And, and I want to tell you, you have to wonder that. Ladies, I'm going to give you a heads up. Men can be the worst. They want to court you, date you, and marry you. They'll jump over pews and say, praise Jesus. But I've seen it happen two weeks after the marriage. They just feel led to go to another church all of a sudden. <laughs> we just celebrated or celebrated or remembered the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. A man who was on the, the ship, the West Virginia, tells a story about when they got up and they got to their machine guns that day as the Japanese were coming in on them. For 15 minutes... They had blanks. They were shooting blanks at the Japanese planes who were not shooting blanks at them. He said, we were trying to scare them away and look tough with our machine guns shooting blanks. And he said, I realized if I lived through this, something had to happen different in my life with God because my life with God was just like that. It looked pretty on the outside, but it was fake on the inside. Insincere. It's going to cost you at some point. But there's a third response that's so beautiful, and that's, that's two words. That's being all in. That's being all in. Man, that's jumping in with both feet. In verse 9 and 10, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now look in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened gifts of their treasure of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, what, a, what an interesting and beautiful, beautiful story. Now, a couple of catches here. If you read that carefully, it says they went to the house, not the barn. Did you get that? And it says Jesus is a child, not a baby. We believe the wise men probably got there a year, two, and a year and a half after the birth. So when you go home tonight, if you have a manger scene, you got here's the shepherds, here's baby Jesus, here's the wise men. You need to take the wise men and put them at the end of the driveway because they're a long way from getting there any time soon. And, and that, that's the, the truth of that, but it doesn't affect anything in the Bible the way your manger scene or my manger scene is I heard someone say, if it would have been wise women who showed up, instead of the wise men, they would have arrived on time. They would have cleaned the barn, helped with the delivery, brought practical gifts, made a casserole, and there would be peace on earth and goodwill to all men. It's probably true, isn't it? Look at it this with me again. Danny, put verse 11 up one more time. It says, when they saw him, they fell down and worshiped him. Fell there is literally like a house or a wall falling. They said in this culture, when you approach someone who was far superior to you, or you approach the king that you got on your face before them, they recognized this child as the king of kings. They didn't neatly get on their knees. They fell on their face. And it says they worship. Listen, we're, we're confused about worship. Can you worship in music? Absolutely. Can you worship when the sermon? Absolutely. But worship is surrender of your heart. The word worship literally means prostrate yourself, lay down before someone. It's the picture of the dog licking the master's hand. It's, it's total humility. 
It's all in. It says they gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and they also say in this culture, when you approached a king, you gave them gifts. And the, the number one gift for a king is gold. These, these, were, these gifts had monetary value, but they also had symbolic. It was, it was a gold, was gift for a king. They gave frankincense. Frankincense was an incense burned in the temple when the priests were going about their sacrifices. And Jesus was coming to be our high priest, folks. And myrrh was used to embalm dead bodies. Let me give you a hint. Don't take embalming fluid to a baby shower. That'd be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? But again, it had monetary value, but it had symbolic value because Jesus was coming to, to die for you and me. Man, I want to challenge you this evening. We need, to, we need to be all in with Christ. I love what the British writer and Christian C.S. Lewis said. I think this is so true of, of you and, and of me. Many of us, we, we want to pay tribute to God, but we want to control our lives, don't we? And being all in like the, the wise men may involve a lot of discomfort. May have traveled a thousand miles one way, a year to get there. A thousand miles back, a year to get back. And the first thing they do when they see Jesus is they didn't strut in and say, you know what, we're wise guys, we're pretty smart. We've got PhDs. They fell at his feet and worshiped him. Will you go all in tonight? Many of us have been kind of playing the game with Christ. We've been apathetic. We've been insincere. Maybe tonight is the night as a Christian or as a non-Christian that you make the choice, I make the choice to go all in. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. If you're, if you're a Christian... Many of you are doing great, and I want to encourage you to continue to. Just remember that being all in is a daily choice. Make that tonight. Maybe you're listening, you're watching, you're here, and you're a Christian, and the truth is you've been all in, but you're not right now, and you need to come back to God fully, 100%. Do that. Make that decision. And maybe you're in this room or you're watching and listening and, and you've never given your life to Christ or you're unsure about that, but you're ready tonight. Becoming a Christian is literally going all in with Jesus. If you're ready to do that, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me come into my heart and Jesus I surrender my life to you I surrender my life to you Jesus
sounding joy, repeat the sound.